0: The Insurance and Injury Law Show, the number anytime to get a hold of Savannah. you know it, 416-216-5910. We'll get to the Injury Calculator, which is an amazing tool. But first, we always get into a few cases and we call it the week that was.
1: That's right, John. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult oftentimes for me to pick uh, a few cases that are of, of real interest because there's so many of them. And I always have to pick and choose which ones are going to be the most beneficial for listeners to listen to and to learn from in the event that they find themselves... Or somebody that they know who's in that position, uh, and and l- learn what to do and and how they should act. Uh, so let's start off with an interesting one. Uh, so this is this is a this is a um, a, a lady who uh, uh, slipped uh, and fell on watermelon juice in Costco on June 28th. Apparently, she went to get a watermelon off a skid, and when she went to put the watermelon back, she didn't want it. Uh, She slipped on a puddle of watermelon juice that was on the floor. Apparently, there were no signs in the area warning of it. Uh, There there were no employees in the vicinity. It was very busy, uh, etc. She fell on her left side. She was unable to get up. An ambulance was called. This is how bad it is, right? So she didn't just get up and continue on shopping. Brush it off. Brush it off. The employees actually called an ambulance. She found out that she had a torn ligament in her left hip. Now, she went back to work, but on modified duties, uh, and uh, she's unable to sleep on her left side because of her hip, uh, and and she's currently seeing a physiotherapist, which is um, which is you know standard therapy in a situation like this. She's 57 years old, and she she's a sales rep. So of course you know I'm looking at this uh, information. Of course I need more information. I need to understand a little bit more about mm-hmm. how long was she in the area, uh, in the vicinity of where the watermelon juice were. How do we deal with her injuries? You know what did the doctor say? Has to happen now. Uh, is she going to need any surgical treatment? Is she going to need anything more than uh, a ligament? Of course, what she wants to know is what can I do about this? Do I have a claim for compensation? Because clearly I suffered an injury yep. and a torn ligament. For somebody who's fifty-seven years old, I mean that's that's serious, right? I mean, and she's on modified duties. And one of the things I don't know obviously is is she uh, getting paid less? Uh, is the modified duty situation going to continue on for the next few weeks, months, potentially even years? Will she have to retire early because the injury is going to progress? Oftentimes you have a tear, and that tear, uh, just by virtue of what you do at home and, and you know your activity level, it may get worse, right? So you start with a small tear, mm-hmm. and that progressively gets worse. Yep. Hopefully it doesn't, but sometimes it does. So these are the types of questions that I was dealing with when I'm dealing with this individual. And it's very important to understand that if you slip and fall in a store, uh, in a place where you are there to shop, and, you know, it's on juice, it's on water. Perhaps it was a rainy day and there was no carpet there at the front. Very important to understand that if you fall and you injure yourself, there is very likely uh, liability or negligence on the store, okay? Or, or you know, the the location where you are at. You are a patron. You're there to, to buy something, to shop. And this is the reason why most of these places have insurance yep. around. Now, I'm not telling everyone out there that every time you, you slip and fall or you trip... You know, suddenly you think legal action. That, that, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you have to be aware of your rights. And oftentimes it's important to speak to someone like myself, people on my team, who can tell you, here's what you could be looking for or at if you start a claim for compensation. So in this case, not only does she have an injury, which is going to attract a certain amount of uh, dollars, a dollar amount for compensation, uh, that Costco's insurer is probably going to end up paying uh, if she starts a claim, Also, there is impact here on her ability to work, and we don't know what that means. So it's possible that, for example, this ligament injury uh, could could be worth, quote-unquote, $20,000, $30,000, whatever the amount is, depending on the facts of the case and how she progresses with her healing. But maybe she's now making less money. Maybe now she's making $5,000 less a year, $10,000 less. Maybe she has to retire early by two years. And she was earning $30,000 a year, so two years' worth of lost income is $60,000. So you can see how all this adds up. And it's very important to understand that as soon as something like this happens, you have to seek legal advice fairly quickly. It doesn't mean you have to start a claim. Of course, I'm a big advocate of, you know, if your injury is more serious, if the impact on you and your family is more serious... Consult someone very quickly, you call us, email us absolutely it doesn 't cost you anything just to get some advice and then we can tell you you know you have a claim or you don 't have a claim it 's that simple, so that was just an interesting case. slip and fall we are now heading you know I hate to break it to everyone, but you know the fall is coming winter's coming we 're going to have a lot of slip and falls. This is something that 's going to be quite common outside and inside. Uh, so very, very important to, uh, you know, to, to, to uh, think about this. And take yeah. a lot of pictures too as the, well. I was right? just going to say Always that exactly. That. Now keep in mind, this lady had to have an ambulance come. So taking pictures were probably the last thing on her mind. But to the extent possible, if somebody is with you, even if it's an employee, ask them to take photographs of the area because this is crucial. It's contemporaneous evidence yep. that can be brought up later on. So Costco can't say down the road, no, there was nothing there. Hold on. There is a picture. A picture was taken five minutes after the fall. If that picture is not taken, there's going to be a dispute, you know, was that little puddle two centimeters in diameter or was it, uh, you know, 10 centimeters or 20? I mean, that all goes to whether or not Costco was negligent. So I can tell you from experience, Costco generally has a very strong system of inspection in place. Uh, So listen, it's very possible the puddle was created only a minute before she fell. Mm -hmm. In that case, presumably would be unreasonable to say that Costco was negligent. Right, You have to oh, assess that if the puddle was there for a longer period of time, if there were no employees anywhere to be seen for quite a while, and by quite a while i don 't mean an hour. I mean it, you know it has to be reasonable, and we have to assess their particular system of inspection and maintenance in that area. Uh, but generally speaking, we have to look at all these factors in order to assess whether or not there is, in fact, a claim.
0: And a place like Costco would have such hefty insurance anyway for this type of thing, right?
1: Absolutely. They would have insurance. And uh, oftentimes, places like Costco are also self-insured, meaning that up to a certain amount of compensation, whatever that is, whether it's 10000 a $100,000, a 1000000 whatever that is, they would potentially be dealing with, with it internally so they'd have their own adjusters and lawyers that would be oh, dealing wow. with the claim. Uh, it's neither here nor there for people who are injured, but just to understand that Either way, there's going to be recourse if there's negligence on Costco.
0: Lots more to go. We'll continue with the week that was. To get in touch any time, it is 416-216-5910. An email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get through a few of those uh, throughout the course of the hour as well. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910 is the number to get a hold of Savannah anytime, And help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get through a few of those. Here in just a little while we're we'll continuing the week that was some interesting cases that you've either come uh, come by they're they're you know currently uh, in process or you've uh, you 've had in the past are kind of interesting right very
1: interesting and a lot to learn from uh, and, and I get those comments from people almost daily, John by emails or by phone people are saying you know i 've been listening to you uh, i 've had a lady actually that i've 've met with recently who said that uh, a friend of hers told her about the show and then she went back and went on the uh, in, uh, the insurance and injury law show uh, um, website. And uh, just start listening. Because you got archives, y- you right? got archives, exactly. Beautiful. So all the shows are there. Uh, you know, very, very important. So uh, this particular case that, uh, that um, I'm dealing with, that this lady contacted us. She's been on LTD, on long-term disability, for the last two years due to multiple surgeries. So I'm reading this, actually, from the email. Uh, due to multiple surgeries on her back, and she also has stenosis in her legs and arms. And she will be going for vascular surgery in her arm to remove a blockage next month. She received uh, a letter from Sun Life Insurance uh, stating that her insurance will be cut off in September unless she provides medical documents to support the reasons why she still needs to be off work. She has a doctor's note stating that she's not able to go back due to the nature of her disability. Uh, And she's getting just over two grand uh, a month from LTD. She's 59, and she's a, uh, this is ironic, she's a blood technician. I know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so, but, but, but th- th- this is the interesting thing. So, so she's been on LTD for right. almost two years. And we've talked about this before how the definition for qualifying or, or the qualification criteria for LTD often changes after the two year mark. Within the first two years of being on LTD, the test or the criteria for you to be able to get LTD is can you do your own job? Your it's, own it's the, job. It's the yep. own occupation test. Can you do your own occupation? The second more expanded definition, the bigger definition, the more difficult definition to meet or the criteria uh, is after the two-year mark, which is can you do any occupation for mm-hmm. which you are suited for by training, education, or experience? Example. Right? Example. So it's the one we, we often use, which is, uh, you know, let's say you're, you're a surgeon, you use your hands often, you're disabled, you're unable to do surgery. So within the first two years, the test is, can you do surgery, right? It's your own occupation. You can't. After the two-year mark, can you do anything, any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience? So can you teach, teach. surgery? Right. Well, yes, you can. So therefore, you would not be able to meet cool. uh, the, 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 the test beyond the two-year mark. So this lady, now this is interesting. So she's got all these issues, stenosis. She's going for vascular surgery to remove a blockage. Uh, her doctor uh, clearly says she's unable to go back to work. I'm not sure at this point if she got a, a letter or a report from a specialist that confirms it. But let's assume for a second that she would have that. Why would the insurance company here say, uh, no, um, you know, sorry, we don't have enough medical documents uh, or information to support right. uh, the, the ongoing disability? Now, oftentimes insurance companies send out those letters or the adjuster tells you we just don't have enough uh, to take you beyond that two-year mark, right, to the expanded definition of LTD, because really they don't have that information. And, and that happens. That's legitimate. Okay, I mean, I'm very hard on insurance companies, but it is true that they are very document-intensive. They need the proof. They need to know from your doctors... it's a business, It's a business. They need to know that you're disabled, they need to know what's the nature of the disability, they need to know, you know, is there a prognosis here? Are you going to go back at any point? So it's very possible in this particular case, this lady really has not submitted sufficient documentation. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she's on disability for about two years indicates to me that clearly... The insurance company has some measure of documentation supporting the disability. So this could be one of those situations where we simply need to make her claim more robust. I have to be communicating with her doctors, telling them, here's what we need. Here's a letter with questions. Here are the three, four, five questions I need you to answer specifically in detail. And oftentimes, that's what's missing. That's the missing piece of the puzzle. I provide that to the insurance company. Insurance company says, ah, now we have it. We will approve you. You will now Uh, uh, be approved for the disability for LTD beyond the two-year mark. That said, I have seen uh, enough claims, enough situations where, despite all of that, even without my involvement, the insurance company has taken completely an unreasonable position, where, despite all the reports, all the letters, all the opinions from the doctors treating the disabled individual, the insurance company says, sorry, insufficient medical documents. Guaranteeing you, John, that some of the cases that I've seen, if you were to put the adjuster in front of a judge and have the judge read some of those letters from the doctors, the adjuster would be looking for a place to hide because Mm -hmm. the judge would be so angry. So oftentimes insurance companies will tell you, sorry, we just don't have enough medical documentation, not because they don't have it, because for whatever reason, the adjuster has decided it's not sufficient, an arbitrary type of a decision.
0: See, the interesting, and, and a kind of a side note on all that, uh, when you were talking about that entire case is, you know, I asked for the documentation, I was working with the insurance company, the benefit of all this and not going at this by yourself, which you should never do with something this large, is the fact that once someone's involved with you, they no longer have to deal with the insurance company or anything. That's
1: absolutely correct. Right. They're not the ones who are asking the doctors for these right. documents. Once we uh, represent the individual, we are the ones communicating with the doctors. We are the, and I've done this. I've spoken with psychiatrists, physiatrists, orthopedic surgeons, neurologists, uh, whoever. I mean, a few weeks ago, I was speaking with a client who's from the States and, and his special, uh, 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 specialist in, in California. We, we were having a, a nice chat uh, that were, was really helpful to his case. Uh, and, and so it's you know very, very important to understand that once we represent you, we're the ones dealing with the adjuster, with the insurance company, and we don't really give them any leeway. I mean, we tell them, look, here's the criteria, here's the test, here are the records, here are the reports, here's everything you need. Here are your choices. You either continue paying these benefits to our client or mm-hmm. we start a claim against you. The latter, the claim... Is figuratively speaking, a gun to the insurance company's head. Because once you start a claim, which we do quite often when the insurance companies don't want to do what they're supposed to do, uh, they have to respond. And uh, most of the time, I would say 99% of the time, it ends up in a settlement and our clients get exactly uh, the compensation that they're owed.
0: The week that was the uh, disability calculator, everything is on the way. We'll get to that. More of your questions and emails, 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca for contact. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's Talk Radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. For an email, we'll get to those in just a few minutes here. We're right in the middle of the week that was. You've got a doozy right in front of you now, Savannah.
1: I do. Uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, this came through the injury calculator, mm-hmm. um, although it, it wasn't a regular submission. This was an actual email that came to me from uh, from a lady who says, I was T-boned by another car which blew through a red light and hit my driver's door. In the result, I have a hole in my lower leg with a lot of nerve damage. Uh, She also has whiplash and a whole bunch of other uh, significant injuries. Uh, She says, I cannot work until it's healed due to the pain of the injuries. I need to know what I can be compensated for. Then she ends with, the insurance agent is not too helpful in telling me what I am able to do. Of course not. Surprise, surprise. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if she's meaning uh, the adjuster or if she's meaning a broker through which she got the insurance. One or the other, right? Yeah, exactly. Either way, I'm going to answer this lady's questions. We already have, but I'm going to answer it um, just on the radio because, again, very, very important. What can she do in this situation? Uh, Well, clearly, if she's injured, she's going to be entitled to accident benefits through her own insurance company. We talked about that before. Mm -hmm. In every case in Ontario where someone else is at fault for the accident, so you have two-car collision, three-car collision, Mm -hmm. four-car collision, we have those usually in chain type of accidents, you know, re-rend. One re-rends the other, who re-rends the other, et cetera. In all these cases, uh, the person who uh, was injured through no fault of their own has two types of claims potentially. Mm -hmm. One is through their own accident benefits insurer. You can get income replacement benefits, okay? Up to 400 a week. Up to 400 unless okay. you have optional insurance, and right. you can raise that. I always recommend talk to your brokers about getting optional insurance. It's insane nowadays to drive with just the minimum requirements. Most people out there, John, make more than $1,600 a month, which is $400 a week. And, and so, you know, you're not going to be compensated for more than that if all you're covered for is 400 bucks a week. Right. So that's important. You're also going to be entitled to medical and rehabilitation expenses. And we talked before about the minor injury guidelines and yep. how much you can get. This lady obviously has a much more serious injury. She's talking about a hole in her lower leg, nerve damage. She's probably going to be beyond that minor injury guideline. She's going to get a lot more in terms of rehabilitation. The MIG. And the MIG. But, but he, he, here's, here's the interesting, uh, the, the interesting thing uh, uh, here. She didn't mention anything about work. Let's assume for a second that she's unable to work. Uh, that's huge. So not only can she make a claim income replacement benefits from her own insurance company, but she can start a claim against the other driver, whoever uh, T-boned her car. Very, very important. Now, here's something that really makes me angry, because I'm seeing this more and more, and I've talked about this quite a few times. When you have a serious injury as a result of a car accident, a slip and fall, whatever it is, it's true. You know, if you have a lawyer or paralegal, they'll tell you, you have two years from the date of the accident to start a claim, with the exception of, of a few exceptions, the question is, should you wait during that time? Like, should you no. wait until the two-year mark? Should you wait even one year? If your injury is so serious, like this lady describes, should you be waiting for a full year before you start a claim for compensation? You should be on it right away. My you know? view is, exactly, my yeah. view is immediately file a claim yeah. or shortly after file a claim. Don't wait for a full year because the longer you wait, the longer it's going to take to resolve your claim. I was contacted just this past week by the lady and I met with her um, in Aurora, which which is where I live. Uh, very, very nice lady uh, who, who has a paralegal dealing with her accident benefits claim and has never spoken to or met with a lawyer at, her, uh, at the firm where she's at. Mm-hmm. And she's in the dark. She doesn't know what's going on. She's still struggling with work. She had three jobs at the time of the accident. Uh, She just recently returned to her full-time job, uh, but she's now working in the other jobs. A very sweet lady, 30 years old, going to be turning 31 soon. uh, And legitimately, she's in pain. You can see it. And the accident happened, I believe it was uh, around October or November of last year. So we are now, you know, we're going to be at about the one-year mark Uh, fairly soon, soon, right? right? Why are they waiting? Why hasn't a lawyer spoken with her? Why is there no information given to her? She has no clue what's going on with the case. Responsiveness is an issue with that firm, uh, which unfortunately is the case with many firms where you just don't get a call back or an email back. It's just, it's unnecessary. So with respect to the lady we talked about just now, who who used the injury calculator to submit the question with a T-bone, she's entitled to significant compensation potentially from whoever was responsible for the accident, it's not going to be difficult to resolve. We need to understand a little bit more about the prognosis and what's going to happen to her in the future uh, and and then, you know, take it from there. But the point is, this has to be worked on, Mm -hmm. okay? And this is the key thing for people to understand. It's your case. It's your life. It's your injuries. It's the money that's owed to you that you're not getting because no one's doing anything on your claim. And if you do it by yourself, you risk making a lot of mistakes along the way that the insurance company is frankly going to take advantage of. And when I was doing insurance... On the other side, insurance defense, when I was assisting insurance companies, defending them, I would capitalize on those because yep. that was my job. My job was to save the insurance company money. It's you just that simple. It for sure. And I'm not blaming insurance yep. lawyers. I mean, many of them are my friends. They used to be my colleagues. Nothing wrong with that. They have a job to do. You just have to make sure that your interests are protected.
0: Well, I know you'll keep abreast of the situation for sure. Now, as far as the, uh, the other one is concerned, um, how do you, you mentioned a paralegal. How do you know if it's paralegal or a lawyer? Okay, so first of all, you can ask, and they'll tell
1: you immediately, because those are two separate and different things. Yep. And I've said it before, you know, a lot of lawyers have this uh, God complex, just like many doctors do, which is, I'm a lawyer, and you're paralegal, therefore you're beneath me. You know, no, that's not correct. I've known and I know a lot of paralegals who are far superior in skill, uh, in empathy, in responsiveness, in everything that I hold dear in the profession to lawyers. Well. Uh, There are, of course, many, many good lawyers out there. Generally speaking, you will find that in car accident situations, paralegals are the ones that are going to be assigned to your case. They cannot deal with the claim for compensation against the other driver's insurance company, particularly if if you start an actual claim with the court, uh, which is what is necessary to do. But they will deal with the accident benefits portion. That said, you want to make sure that the paralegal you're dealing with Uh, is going to be communicating with a lawyer. And oftentimes, paralegals have their own offices. They're by themselves. Maybe they have a relationship with a lawyer or a law firm. But, you know, ideally, as far as I'm concerned, if you have them all in-house, if you have paralegals and lawyers working side by side, there's more efficiency, there's more communication, nothing, uh, less things, let's say, are going to slip through the cracks. That's my experience. So you can simply ask the person, are you a licensed paralegal? And they have to be licensed. Very, very important. They can just be a paralegal. They have to be licensed by the Law Society. And you want to make sure that there is a lawyer assigned to your case in case you have questions about the other claim against the other driver.
0: 416-216-5910. That's the van's number anytime, even outside of show hours. Uh, the email is help at theinsurancelawyer.com. C. We continue with more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio AM six forty. The Insurance and Injury Law Show. The number and email to get a hold of Savan 416 216 four one six two one six fifty nine ten. And it is help at the insurance lawyer dot say. One more case as we look at the week. That was some past cases, some present cases that are on your desk right now. Before we move on to. Uh, Other stuff in the show. That's right. You know, John, when we first started the show, we had uh, just one segment dealing with the week that was. And
1: the reality is that there are just so many interesting questions out there and people contacting me. I have to share this. I mean, these are real-life stories. People who are struggling right now. So let's talk about another one. This is the last one, I promise. (laughs) But this one is very interesting. So let me read that to you because this person submitted the question through the website www.mydisabilityquestions.com. Okay, Mydisabilityquestions.com. Free website. You get answers within minutes from me directly. So here's the question. The company I worked for installed glued-down carpet in September 2015 mm-hmm. after I told them that it is toxic for me. I got really sick and eventually passed out at work in November 2015, so a few months later. Mm-hmm. She's been uh, off work ever since. Uh, the multiple chemical sensitivities... Uh, uh, vision issues. She's already blind in one eye. Apparently, wow. she's got all these issues. Her long-term disability insurance company denied her claim, and she says, of course, that she has, uh, you know, too, 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 that, that she's too sick, uh, sick, mm-hmm. to, to to think for herself and to be able to to deal with the insurance company. So she, she's asking for help. Uh, and and you know, her doctors apparently told her that she, that she will not be able to work for the foreseeable future. Uh, If you want to read the actual wording of her submission, it's on our website along with my answer. So let's analyze this question. Uh, So you have the situations where you have a company that's putting down carpet that has some kind of toxic chemicals, the glue or whatever it is. So first of all, the fact that she's injured as a result of this toxicity potentially means that there is negligence on whoever put down the carpet. Now, there may be a workers' comp situation because potentially this happened while she was working. We have to analyze that. Let's assume for a second there is no workers' comp issue. Let's say there is a company she can go after for causing her this injury because of putting down this carpet Mm -hmm. with its toxicity. So she potentially has a claim against that company that did that for compensation. What kind of compensation? The pain and suffering that she's suffering, income losses in the future, et cetera. But let's talk about income loss. Well, she was denied by her insurance company, the LTD insurer, which incidentally happened to be Sun Life here as well. Uh, She's been denied uh, um, the LTD payments, even though her doctors support her disability. So she also has a claim potentially against Sun Life. Well, if you have a claim against whoever caused the accident or the injuries, and you have a claim potentially against the LTD insurer, what do you do? Who do you go after? Do you go after them at the same time, separately? That's all strategic and that all depends on the facts of the case. My view is that if you have multiple causes of action, meaning you can go after the company that caused the injury in the first place and you can go after the insurance company for not paying you LTD when they should be, I'm going to make a claim against them together. Why? Because when it comes down or time to settle the case, to negotiate a resolution, I want all the parties that may potentially have exposure, meaning that may potentially pay out, I want them in the same room. I want to be able to negotiate with them. Why? Because I'm not going to say to one, you owe her X and the other one, you owe her Y. You're going to say, my client is owed uh, uh, Z. Here's the whole nut. Here's the whole nut. You guys decide who's paying for what. And that puts significant leverage and that's strategic. And you do have some lawyers out there who start separate claims. And I think that It's a strategic mistake. It's a tactical mistake. Why not have all of the potential defendants in one room?
0: Let them duke it out, right?
1: Let them duke it out, exactly. The the, the other problem is that if you start separate claims, and again, I see this, and I've seen this when I was working for insurance companies, then you may end up having uh, settlement meetings and discussions separately with the parties. But here's the problem with that, John. Let's say I have John in one room. Okay, and I have Gary in another room, and I'm negotiating with both of them. If I have both of you in the same room, I tell you guys, my client is owed a hundred thousand dollars. You guys figure out how to pay it out. Right. There's more of a chance that you guys are going to come to an agreement and then tell me what is the combined amount, versus if I negotiate with you, John, today, Gary's nowhere to be seen. You're going to tell me I'm only paying ten grand. You want the rest? Go and get uh, the rest from him. And of course, I make a deal with you, and I go to Gary the next day, and Gary says. Why didn't you only get 10 grand from John? You should have gotten 50 grand from John. Exactly. So, you know, these things are very, very important. And this is why, when you have multiple causes of action, you have multiple claims for disability, for injury, for whatever else, it's important that the lawyer you're dealing with, the team you're dealing with, can actually make claims and understand how to make claims against all of the parties. Keep in mind the fact that I do and my team does. Uh, long-term disability, and injury claims, and incidentally, employment yeah, matters, Right? Arms, wrongful yeah. dismissal, sir. that means that as a team at the firm, we can deal with all the issues in-house. That is significant leverage over the parties. It means that there is communication between the lawyers. It means that we can leverage that to get much higher compensation, probably in half the time, to our clients.
0: We'll uh, take a short break. As soon as we come back, we'll give you details about the injury calculator. You've heard us talk about it so far uh, this afternoon, this morning, a few times. We'll get into details about that and get right into your emails. That email address is, by the way, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, number 416-416. 216-5910, 216-5910, the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk Radio, AM640. The number is 416-216-5910. That'll put you in touch with Savannah directly. So will the email. That is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Mention this, the Injury Calculator. Now, you've, you've mentioned this a few times uh, already during the show. Give me some details.
1: Injury Calculator is a tool that we created, my team and I, uh, over a year ago. It's free. It's anonymous. And what it does is it allows you to go on it online and input a few key pieces of information about your injuries. Let's say you were in a car accident or a slip and fall, something like that, where someone else was negligent or responsible. You enter uh, things like what is the type of injury you suffered. Let's say it's a broken leg. Um, uh, you know what's the significant, what, what's the extent of the injury. You know you needed surgery on it. Things like that. Again, it, it's very few things, and these are, I think, drop-down menus or click-on menus. And what it does is it's it it. it goes through an algorithm and it goes through a database of, of cases from across Canada that we 've pulled out and put together and it tells you here 's what you can expect to get or to, or here 's what you 're looking for um, in terms of a dollar amount for your pain and suffering underlined. Pain and suffering—it actually tells you. Let's say for a broken leg, I don't have the screen in front of me, John, but let's say broken leg will tell you—you know—you could potentially be getting or owed uh, forty thousand to sixty thousand dollars for pain and suffering. Uh, again, it's very specific. And why do we have that range? Why does it say here is the range of what you could be looking at? Right. Because different injuries affect people differently. You may have someone who's twenty years old who had the same injury as someone who's seventy years old, but the effect on the person from a functional standpoint, from a work standpoint. Totally different. I- it's very, very different. Yeah. Exactly. So, therefore, judges across the country have awarded different things. But if your injury, uh, you know, if, if you have a certain injury, you're not going to have one judge in one part of the country saying you're owed a dollar and in another part of the country saying it's worth $300,000. Right. Okay? You're going to have a more reasonable range, 40 to 60,000, mm-hmm. 80 to 100. I can tell you hip fractures. As an example, mm. uh, I deal with a lot of hip fractures, slip and falls and stif- things like that. Uh, it, you're probably going to see a range, if you put that in there, of 90,000 to 110 or 120,000 just for the pain it and suffering. suffering. And why is that important? Let's say that you have someone who's 65 years old. They're not working. They're just retired. They slipped and fell. Perhaps it was watermelon juice or perhaps right. it was you know, just uh, icy on, on a sidewalk. Someone was responsible. Here's the problem. That person is 65. Maybe they were self-sufficient and they were relatively healthy before the accident. Maybe now they're going to need a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Maybe now they're not going to be able to live on their own. How much is the expense going to be to assist them at home? Maybe right. they need to be in a home, mm-hmm. that can run you two, three, four thousand dollars a month. Who's going to pay for that? Ramps. So just Im- <laughs> just imagine, yep. imagine. Then then you can be getting a hundred thousand dollars for pain and suffering potentially for your injury. But maybe the care or the cost of care for you for the future could be $300,000. So the claim could be $400,000 in in total. So very, very important to understand. That tool is fantastic because when people come to me, first question is, I mean, after we have a chat about their cases, okay, well, is it worthwhile? What can I be looking at? And I point them to the injurycalculator.ca website and I say, well, just punch in the information and you'll get that. Incidentally, when you go on a John, and you put in all the information, I'm never notified of this. The only time I know that you've used the calculator mm-hmm. is if at the end you click on a button that says you want a consultation with me directly. And then the calculator emails me the information that you have inputted. And then, of course, we, we get in contact. Otherwise, people just use it for their own information. But it's been very useful.
0: You always say money
1: owed. You make sure you say
0: the word owed. Why is that?
1: I say that because there is, uh, there is a stigma out there for people who, uh, who think that if they make a claim for compensation... Uh, after a car accident, slip and fall, long-term disability, they say, you know, I don't want to be one of those people. You know how many times I've heard that? So I'm going to position it differently. Uh, If somebody told you, you are entitled to this money, John. Yeah, that's the word. What do you think? You think, I'm I'm not entitled. I'm not an entitled person. I work hard for for what I've earned and what I brought home. You know, if I'm telling you, John, you are owed this money. You are owed this money. You're going to say, hold on, if I'm owed this money. I want it. I want it. It belongs to me. It belongs to my family. That's the reason why we're going to be able to uh, keep our house. So it's a very, very important distinction. Understand that when you start a claim for compensation, assuming it's legitimate, and of course, as a former defense lawyer for insurance companies, I've seen you know, a share of, of uh, uh, cases uh, that are not legitimate, and there are a lot of lawyers out there who unfortunately don't uh, have a good reputation. We, and you know, we know that if they're advancing a claim, most likely it's a frivolous claim. It's just the nature of the, of the beast. Wow. Uh, but if the, if the claim is legitimate and you choose not to pursue compensation, that's your money you're giving away. If at the end of the day, you get a settlement for $100,000, I am telling you, John, you're not getting this $100,000 from the insurance company because they feel bad for you. It's because they know that that money is owed to you. It was in terms of your policy. It was in terms right? of the policy. And right. if it's negligence, if it's a car accident, it's because they know that they're going to get nailed to the wall if this goes all the way to court. And what is the reason why most of these cases never see the light of day in court? Why is it that if you were injured in a car accident now, I can almost guarantee you, you would never get to court because at some point there's going to be a discussion about settlement. The insurance company is going to want to pay. They're not going to want to expend the money. To fight you all the way because then it
0: gets really expensive particularly for them, if they right? know
1: that they're wrong exactly
0: and they have uh, they have a, I want to say a fund or a slash fund but they have money set aside for claims that's why they're there right
1: as soon as you file a claim as soon as I put together a claim and send it to the insurance company or to the defendant who gives it to their insurance company as soon as the insurance company gets it they assess the claim without even having any medical documents and they start thinking about a reserve. A reserve is no an kidding, amount of money right? that they're putting aside that they know that they're going to have to pay you down the road. And that reserve can start from zero, obviously, or it can you know, go up very clearly. If, if I'm putting in my claim that my client suffered a brain injury, I can tell you the reserve is not going to be $10. The reserve is going to be in the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions, depending on the severity of the claim. So understand, the insurance companies are putting that money aside. They're not going to tell you that. No. Their job is to not pay you that money. It's like poker, right? They're playing with you. That's the reality. For you, it's your life. For them, it's a game on how much can they save, how much can they avoid paying.
0: Injurycalculator.ca is where you want to check it out. In the meantime, the number 416-216-5910, that's the van's direct number. And email again, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to an email as soon as we come back here in our last few minutes of the Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio, AM 640 416 216 5910. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca to get a hold of Savannah once the show is over or anytime. We'll answer those calls uh, pretty much 24 7. Guy's got to sleep, but you know, he's, he's pretty good on it. Got to, uh, We promised some emails, man, so we'll get to those. Uh, Jerry from Etobicoke, first one out the gate here, says, I was in a car accident in May of this year, broke three ribs and my right arm. I can't work. The problem is that the driver who hit me fled the scene, so I don't have any of his information. What can I do? How do I get compensation?
1: Very, very important question. And we do have a lot of these cases uh, happening across the province uh, where there is an accident and someone flees the scene of the accident, which is, of course... Uh, against the law. Mm-hmm. That said, what do you do? Because I talked about the fact that you can get compensation from your own insurance yes. company, accident benefits. But what do you do with respect to the other driver? Right? I said that in serious situations, just like the one uh, um, uh, you know we we, we have here, uh, this person is going to be entitled to compensation and significant compensation from the other driver's insurance company. Well, don't worry. Section two sixty five of the Insurance Act, John. Uh, uh, gives recourse. Essentially what it says is that every insurance policy, auto insurance policy in the province has to have a, a safety net for individuals in cases like this. It means that if you have someone who uh, caused the accident, who is unidentified, like you or, wrong, or fled the you scene. got it, uninsured, yeah. perhaps you have somebody with no insurance, what do you do, right? Because I mean, just going after the person it's not going to really get you anything. Try, try you know, and getting money from somebody who doesn't have any insurance very difficult. Uh, or in a case like this, like with Jerry, what happens if the person cannot be found? Section two sixty five says that your insurance company not only are they going to pay you accident benefits, but now you're going to be able to get from them what you are able to get or are supposed to be able to get from the insurance company for the person who was responsible for the accident. The caveat, and this is where it gets a little tricky is that the if, amount. Well, the amount, exactly. And this is important to understand. Let's say for a second that uh, your injuries are worth $100,000. You're going to have no issue then. So long as you can prove the injuries and the, and the losses from the accident, mm-hmm. your insurance company is going to pay that in place of the insurance company for the guy who fled the scene. The problem is what happens if you have anything that is a lot more than that. So under Section 265, yes you're entitled to go after your insurance company for this compensation, but it's limited to $200,000. Okay. And that's important because if you have a very significant injury, like the one Jerry's is describing here with you know the, the broken ribs, the right arm can't work, his injuries and losses could easily exceed 200000 And in that case, he's, got, he's going to have a problem because he only has a $200,000 cap. Whereas in, with most policies out there, if the guy did not flee the scene, if his insurance company responded to the claim most likely he would have the standard coverage for this kind of an accident, which is a million dollars. So Jerry would be able to claim up to a million dollars. doesn't mean that he'll get that. It all depends on proving the injuries, but you do have that cap. The point is you have recourse. If you were hit uh, and your injuries are significant, your losses are significant, the person fled the scene or has no insurance or has very little insurance, you do have recourse. Uh, Don't simply give up and walk away. Contact us, call me, email me. I'll explain to you exactly what your options are
0: we got about uh, two minutes left to go today, so I'll squeeze in one quickly. Dan from Aurora, I was in a car accident again last winter. My wife was driving and she caused the accident because she went uh, on a red light. She was charged by the police. I've had a lot of trouble getting back to work and our bills are starting to pile up. Can we do anything in terms of getting some compensation? This is the kind of a question
1: that you keep uh, asking me, John, is what happens when you have a spouse or someone in your car who's driving and they are the cause of the accident? What do you do? It's so unnatural to start a claim against them. Well... It is unnatural, but at the end of the day, this is why we all have insurance. You're not saying to your wife john i 'm going to start a claim against you because I hate you no it 's because you understand that the insurance company that you guys have is going to respond, and you know people are concerned about well what 's going to happen with my premiums you know my wife 's yep. premiums are going to go up. I understand that let 's say they go up by ten dollars a month, a hundred dollars a month, but if you have significant injuries, if you now cannot work, you are owed this compensation. So if you want to save $1,000 a year on premiums while your injuries could net you, I'm using that in a very kind of brute way, net you $500,000 for your injuries and losses, right now, does it make sense right. to not make a claim? You know. So the fact that you have someone in your car, a friend, a family member, someone else like that who's close to you, who caused the accident, it doesn't mean you have no claim. I know it seems unnatural, but for you to simply not make a claim because it's your spouse or your child or whoever it is that caused the accident... I think it's a mistake if your injuries are really serious. It's the company, not the person. It's the company. Right. It's the insurance yeah. company is going to be paying out. That's the reality of it. So just understand that you have that option. Uh, and you know some people choose to do it, some people choose not to. I can tell you, more often than not, people who choose not to do it when they've had significant injuries regret that Big down time. the road.
0: Lots of good stuff today, man. We'll take it for another week. In the meantime, you need to get a hold of Savannah. You can do so. 416 416- 2165910 have that number with you and help at the when you got some time check out injurycalculator.ca this will do it for another week in the insurance and injury law show talk radio am 640